In this country, some truths aren't self-evident. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, a collection of stories as wide-ranging and real as the people who tell them, we celebrate the Black experience for all its soul and richness. Search NPR Black Stories, Black Truths wherever you get podcasts. For nearly 25 years, Roseman University has challenged the status quo, transforming education and graduating competent and compassionate healthcare professionals. Roseman University is reimagining healthcare, healing patients and their families, solving health challenges by embracing discovery, and building programs that provide hope and improve health. Click the banner for more on Roseman's healthcare programs in nursing, pharmacy, graduate studies, and dental medicine, or see roseman.edu. Welcome to the Michelle Mission Two Men One Podcast, every black film ever made. My name is Vincent Williams, and I'm joined as always by my partner. Hey, what's up? Highlight your boy. This is Len, aka the Bat Tribble. And on this latest stop of the mission, we'll be spending time with 1992's South African musical drama Serafina, based on Mbogini's Nagima's 1987 musical of the same name. But before we get to that and find out if freedom is indeed coming tomorrow, Mr. Webb, we have some business to attend to. We do have business to attend to, Vince. Thank you very much. We uh, are streaming live as we speak, ladies and gentlemen. We are video streaming on Facebook in the Michelle Mission Facebook group, as well as on YouTube on the Michelle Mission channel. So if you're listening to the podcast and you're wondering what these two old fogies look like, subscribe to us on YouTube. Join the Facebook group. And then you can see exactly what two black graybeards look like when they are talking about movies. There um, you go. And who doesn't want to see that? Who doesn't? We have gotten a couple more podcast reviews, Vince. Oh, oh indeed. Ooh. On Apple Podcast, uh, we heard from Hector Hector. Hey, Hector Hector. So nice. He named himself twice. Five stars. Love you, Hector, what Hector. you guys are undertaking. Big fan of the host rapport, sometimes left field observations, and commitment <laughs> to the premise of the show. Let the record show the left field is actually on the field, though. It is. It is. <laughs> it's sometimes out there by the bleachers, but we're still on right. the field. But it is, it is in play. <laughs> exactly. It's within the foul lines. That's right. Uh, he continues, I always leave an episode with much insight and tons of surprises. Thanks for all your work on something that is not covered in much of cinema discussion, let alone in the pod world. Well, you're very welcome, Hector. Thank we you, also, sir. We also heard from Arcona, five stars. Hi, Arcona. Thank you. This is an excellent movie discussion podcast. I especially appreciate that their opinions on films will sometimes surprise you. Example. Ha ha. 
I did not expect them to love Django Unchained, and yet my expectations were shattered by their honest and passionate examination of the film's themes and its relationship to the black community. This is really good stuff, folks, and you should be listening. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. And we heard just today, Vince... From hot off the presses. Hot off the presses. On Tyler Perry. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. The lightning rod. <laughs> you guys give Tyler a lot of grief. You categorized <laughs> Tyler as disliking women, but I yes. feel he exhibits self-loathing instead. Every wealthy man in his mm. film are evil and abusive individuals, except one, Tyler, when playing Mr. Deeds, completely unbelievable. If we are to believe <laughs> Tyler, the only good men are the working poor whom black women should just be happy with. But, yes. who, is, but who is Tyler? A multimillionaire who represents the quote-unquote wealthy protagonist in his movies, even using his own home in Diary of a Mad Black Woman. Keep up the thoughtful analysis. Isaiah Taylor. Oh, thank you, Isaiah. I don't know. I don't think Tyler Perry thinks of himself as one of one of our overlords. I think Tyler Perry really sees himself as one of the people, regardless of how much money he gets. But, but that is... That, that, you know, I think the great thing about Tyler Perry at this point is that everyone has their own reading of Tyler Perry. Right. Isaiah uh, apparently has fallen in love with the show because oh, okay. she also left us an, an email. Okay, excellent. Hey, Isaiah, good to hear from you again. Hey, fellow Terp slash Baltimore resident. Oh, and Len. Um, (laughs) That's you. I feel. (laughs) And Peggy. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Nice Hamilton drop there. You like that, right? It's a yes. I'm the Peggy of the Michelle you're, Mission, you're, ladies you're, and gentlemen. You're Peggy. I get to be Angelica and Eliza. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to read the rest of her email. Anyway. <laughs> She continues, just found your podcast three weeks ago. Absolutely love it. I listen at one and a half speeds to get more shows in. Finally caught up with you and wanted to suggest a selection from Iceberg Slim, Trick Baby, Mama Black Widow, or Iceberg Slim, Portrait of a Pimp. Keep up. Are those movies? Are those movies? I don't. Who knows? He, he, uh, I I certainly don't believe they were feature films, but they could, right, they right, could right. Been, he, he could have done some type of a movie adaptation of them. We'll have to check them out. Yeah, absolutely. We also heard an email from Monique Granby. Long time no no hear from. What's up, Monique? Hey, what's up, Monique? 
I am so behind on your podcast. I'm working on two scripts. Unlike the idiot, I want my Applebee's, sorry, not wearing a mask, cause freedom, etc. I'm keeping my behind <laughs> in the house. I, I know that's right. I've gotten behind in listening, but I still ride hard for you guys. Just wanted to check in. Given the moment, gave you guys a shout out on my social media. Figured while our new allies are seeking understanding, wanted you to be included in that education. Film is a mirror of our society on so many levels. For those who may not be drawn to a book, film can fill that void of understanding. I feel your in-depth perspectives on black film, um, even acrimony, sorry, it's a bad love thing for that <laughs> film, but I, I truly believe you guys are integral to the understanding of black culture via film, especially as we embark on this new normal. Much love and blessings to you and your families, Mo. Hey, Monique. Thank you. Good to hear from you, too. Keep doing the work, Mo. Work on them scripts. Yes, please do. Please do. Speaking of scripts, uh, Vince, dipping into our Facebook group, uh, did you know or did you hear or see, however however you want to take it, that um, have you heard of the plague Nerderlogs? Nerderlogs. I I had not until recently, and I heard of them because. Well, we well I had heard of them. I don't know how many of you, ladies and gentlemen, have heard of the played plague nerd logs, and what these are are during this this weird time when we're all in the house, um, you know, uh, social distancing from one another's the plague nerdologues which began back in may of 2020 is a way for your favorite actors uh and uh, from you know genre television and cartoons and things like that to keep their muscles you know and fine tune they have been doing videos of them reading some of their scripts from some of the movies that they've been favorite movies they've been in or um even getting together to do like see original scenes from your favorite cartoons and things like that uh there had been um uh yatidi badaki who is known from uh american gods she uh did a reading of morpheus from the matrix uh nice had, it, it, very nice right you had um uh, oh, oh! David Blue did the Joker from from Dark Knight. Um, Yvette Nicole Brown um, portrayed Lady Olenia from A Game of Thrones. Uh, oh man, so so many! And recently, you know, friend of the show, longtime friend of the show, Ryan Sands. Ryan, yeah, yeah, yeah. There is uh, Ryan Sands, Red. Jefferson Davis from Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, the Academy Award winning feature animated film. Nice. uh, Nice. And and I believe in the film that role was read by, was that Mahershala Ali? No, no, no. Mahershala Ali played his uncle. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Brian, um, I just forgot his last name. My man from Atlanta. Oh, uh, uh, Robert Tyree Henry. Right, right, right. Brian, um, 
Brian Tyree Henry. Tyree yeah. Henry. Yeah, he Brian, played Brian. um his uh, dad. Jefferson yeah, he Davis. played his dad. Yeah. Well, R- yeah. Ryan Sands has done a plague nerdologue where he is doing the voice of Jefferson Davis from uh, scenes and in Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. So you can check it out Very on YouTube. Very nice. Check it out on YouTube. Go to the Plague Nerdalogs. That's really dope. And it's good to see. Um, I, I, I'll be interested. I haven't checked it out yet. I've got to... I've got to check it. I've got to check it out. Brian Tyree Henry definitely has a very distinct voice. I, I I love almost everything that he does. But Ryan, you know, last seen on the on on the Runaways on uh, net, uh, not Netflix on Hulu. Hulu, uh, mm-hmm. right? And uh, I, I'll be interested to see him uh, voicing that character. I'd be interested to see him vo- doing some voice work. He's got he's got to be yeah. able to sing the yeah. himself. Yeah, and I know he got a kick out of it because he's a big old nerd like us. He's a big, yeah, yes, yes. That's <laughs> so, why we enjoyed so. hanging out with him. He is a huge Yeah, nerd. yeah, yeah, Most good definitely. job. It's a good look. Definitely. Um, we're going to be reviewing Serafina today, ladies and gentlemen, but if, unless you've been living under a rock, there's actually been another film uh, that that dropped this weekend, this past Friday on yeah, Disney+. Yeah, Plus. yeah, yeah. They featured the feature film debut of Hamilton, the yes. stage musical that rocked the nation when it hit the Broadway stage, I believe in 2000, was it 2015 or 2016? I think Yeah, something like that. Yeah, it's yeah, been a minute. Hit. Yeah. Yeah. A winner of numerous uh, Tony Awards. Well, that mm-hmm. original cast um, has a filmed presentation of the stage play that dropped on Disney Plus this Friday, and it has been on everybody's lips all yeah. weekend long. Uh, now, Vince, you are someone who has seen the the stage production. You didn't see it with the original cast, though. Right, right. right. I've, yeah, right. I've never seen the original cast, but but I've seen two productions of it. Right, and you're and you're a devotee of the cast album. Well, you know, it's it's a version of Jules in Pulp Fiction where he says his girl is a vegetarian, which kind of makes him a vegetarian. Right. <laughs> like my two favorite girls, like my daughter and my wife are huge Hamilton people. So mm-hmm. like everybody in the house is a Hamilton person now. Gotcha. <laughs> So, gotcha. That's pretty much how it works. So, uh, so did you watch the the film this weekend? I did, but more importantly, did you watch the film this weekend? I did. I. Did. I mean, I, you're you're the Ham you're the Hamilton virgin. You're right. You're right. You're right. So, um, and uh, I did sit down. I watched the film. Um, I'm not a big musical person. I know, which is why, yeah. Every time I say that, I then rattle off about good five musicals <laughs> that I like. Uh, but um, I sat down to watch this, and I really enjoyed it. I I, mm-hmm. I really had a good time. I could see what all the hype was about this, about the um, the play. I could see the energy, the choreography, the dancing, the the staging um and to think that all of those and and it's a true musical like there are um, I don't think there's any spoken line of dialogue in this movie everything is in verse right right, and right. specifically almost all 
in hip hop verse. So right, yeah. It it was just um it was an amazing accomplishment. Um, and it was a, uh, an amazing performance, and I enjoyed it. Like most musicals, especially when you see them on the stage, little long. Little, oh yeah, it's oh yeah, it's long. Yeah, but it flows. But it flew. It it does, it does yeah, flow. Yeah, you does. look up and you're like, oh my goodness, two hours have gone by. Right, and now I'm in for a penny yeah. for a pound. You know what yeah. I mean? Um, but it was really good. I really enjoyed it. Um, there were some parts of of it that rubbed me the wrong way, and in and I purposely didn't really like even when the move, even when the play hit, I just heard all the accolades, but I never read any reviews about it. Right. Right. Because I because in my mind, I'm, well, I'm going to go see it one day, and I just never got around to seeing it. And then right. when I heard about the movie, I didn't want to read any reviews. I just want to take it in. So I took it in, and now having taken it in, I'm now have license to go back and read some reviews of the stage play, and and now even some reviews of the film. Right. And there right. were there were some things that rubbed that people bumped up against that I bumped up against as well, right? There okay, was some, such and, as? Well, I, I think the biggest thing, two things. Two things. Um, Lin-Manuel Miranda is not the strongest singer on, <laughs> right. by, by far in this, right, right. In this uh, performance. You can definitely tell the he's the one that wrote it. You can definitely tell he's the one that wrote it, and and considering that he is the one that wrote it, it is an amazing feat because I think right. it is fantastic writing. No, um, no, no. I mean, you can tell he wasn't cast because of his talent. Oh, right, right. Well, okay, yeah, because I don't because he's not the strongest singer, he's not the strongest right. dancer, um, right, and he probably is not the strongest actor either. Right, right. And he's a nice MC if David Diggs isn't on stage with him. Okay, but I think that's necessarily true about all of them. All right, right, right. I mean, I, I don't think none of them, you know, rhyming wise, is going to touch Diggs uh, on, right. on the microphone, which is why he's the only one that actually drops the mic in this joint. Right, but um, but he still, he still, he he gets over a line. He gets over a line. Sure, sure, sure. My my big thing though is that because he's not the strongest performer, especially and especially his singing. And especially in the second half of the performance, which I think is more emotionally gripping because I think the the lens narrows more into his life as opposed to the first half, which is a little bit more broad because it's about the revolution. Um, As that focus narrows in on him and he's asked to do more acting wise as well as emotionally in his singing i think that is to slight detriment to the performance because he is not as strong a singer and now you're asking him tired from the first half to now right. e- to be able to bring more even more uh uh uh, uh emotion into now this second half you know what i mean so okay I th- so I think at times in the second half he's a bit of a he's a he's a bit of a letdown. Don't get me wrong, I think he's still doing g- good work, um, but I just think he he is the weak link of 
of the performance. Yeah. He's um, just surrounded by people who he's are just surrounded by amazing, such amazing, amazing right. people, man. Um, yeah. Uh, but then the other thing that I bumped on, and it made me wonder how accurate this is, because you know, and you know, they've got to massage this stuff for for absolutely. The, for the uh for the writing and for the story of it is that the women's role in this in this world and thus in this performance is very i th- i found lacking and where it doesn't lack i found it troubling because where there where the women are given more to do it is almost always in commentary to their feelings about a man, whether, sure, whether sure. it be about uh, and mostly about Alexander Hamilton. Right, or, right, of course. And um, and I found that I found that a little. I I, I bumped on that a uh, a little bit. You know what I mean? Like right, right. Like it made me wonder. Okay, how accurate is it that? You know, Eliza is into Alexander Hamilton, but Angelica was into Alexander Hamilton from afar, especially when just based on the script of the the play, all of her feelings about Alexander seem to be left unsaid. It's it's not like there's any moment where she emotes this to him so we're led to believe that they actually had a conversation about it so it it's all in her head so that made me wonder okay is that really just a creation for the stage for the story or is that something that he actually pulled from the from the history books and i know that this he uh this right it's kind of like based on a book it's not really right based on 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 the biography that um i forgot the guy's name who wrote it but but yeah yeah, so I didn't know yeah. whether so I don't know whether or not it was pulled from there. And forgive me, I didn't go and do the, the no, research right. so much on that. But just the fact that that was there, it, it it really bumped against me. And and I saw that that was something that a lot of people had a problem with. A lot of uh, it stuck out to a lot of people. Sure, sure. I mean, you you know, in in your defense, you've been in Hamilton World now for what two days? Uh, not even. Well, yeah, two not days. even. Yeah, cause I saw it not even yeah, two yeah. days. Yeah, and and you know, as you know, once people get in, it's like you said, in for a penny, in for a pound. People turn into these Hamilton scholars all of a sudden. Well, that's true. where where that's you know true. they read the stuff. I, well, the the direction I thought you were going to go when you start talking about the story and the history, and and this is something that I've been fascinated by over the past few days, including a conversation that the missionaries have been having is, mm-hmm. is how the story and I'll use your word massages history. Right. And kind of bends history. And what does it mean to have this play, especially in 2020 when we're talking about statues, when we're talking about um, the names on buildings, when we're talking about the founding fathers, if you will, Mm-hmm. We have this play that, in a lot of way, glamorizes some people who are, you, you know, kind of reprehensible, and, and including Alexander Hamilton. You, you know, just just That's one. That's true. That's true. Just one detail. The 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 play would have you think 
that he was a bit of an abolitionist because you, you know he's he's a he's this kind of scrappy immigrant and and he's for the little guy but he gets problematized pretty quickly when you realize that part of the reason that Philip Schuyler was a millionaire was because he was a slave trader oh yeah oh yeah and and you, you know they we don't touch on that at all and it is it is kind of weird watching it and like I actually don't have a problem with the Thomas Jefferson depiction because I do think David Diggs gets across that Thomas Jefferson is a little venal and and in a bit but Chris Jackson's George Washington is like this epic figure that's true who who you know and I will say this about about the phenomenon and and I joked a moment ago with you about well you've been in Hamilton world for two days Mm -hmm. I think the further you get into it I I think almost from the beginning you go back to 2016 2017 you look at interviews with the cast you look at interviews with Lin-Manuel Miranda they've been very forthright about that tension yeah, and that's true. Uh, and 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 about you know what this means to have these black and brown actors inhabit these roles, mm-hmm. uh, particularly uh, Chris Jackson. I've read several interviews with him where he talks about being George Washington and how how he brings this dignity and this beauty to this man who is you know if you're black, G- George Washington is is again problematic at best but i think the the sheer artistry of it can't be denied i think we can argue whether or not as you and i have argued about many projects whether or not this talent could have been utilized in another project mm-hmm. but the talent is undeniable oh, the yeah. talent is undeniable so i'm glad you saw it I am too. I am too. Um, I w- I will tell you that uh, having watched it, uh, Deborah Battle hit us up on YouTube, and she says that Hamilton and Angelica Angelica only flirted with each other only in the letters. Not many would have looked up the history if not for the play. That is very true. That's very true. And Aaron exactly. Fry, Aaron Fry asks, so you're calling Lin Manuel Tyler Perry? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> That is terrible, Aaron. That is That's absolutely terrible. terrible. Yeah, we're not Go going stand in a corner and think about what you've done. <laughs> <laughs> I like that you shouted out Chris Jackson as um as uh George Washington. Uh, George Washington because I thought he was I thought he was outstanding. Um and as someone who having not watched Hamilton Right. Yeah. My introduction to Leslie Odom Jr. was yes. In the wake of Hamilton, mm-hmm. he did he did a um, I think it was a nationwide commercial where he's singing nationwide. Yes. And yes. And I thought I thought, wow, that's a beautiful voice. I I I can see why people are falling in love with Hamilton. So now yeah. Uh, and then, and the thing is, I had heard the cast album, 
but I never knew which role he played, so I never knew which voice sure. was his. You know what I mean? Sure. So now having seen it, that dude is no joke. <laughs> oh, Leslie Odom, homeboy. You know he's a Philly dude. I know. I know. Yeah, Philly he dude. No, yeah, Philly he dude. Is no joke, man. Uh, is Leslie Odom is is a beast. Room where it happens and one last time are my two joints. Well, that you and know, gun and chips. You know, people were. At, I saw like uh, a little thing. People were talking about um, rating uh, their favorite Hamilton song. There's actually a podcast. Yes. Yeah. Um, uh, we got this. They just. Did an episode where talking about uh, they're arguing what is the best Hamilton song, and yeah. the the real one that happens is definitely one that everybody yeah goes away. You know, you're just singing it and, and humming it and everything like that. But um, the when he sings "Wait for It," yeah, 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 man. yeah. that is no joke. That's no joke. But you know what? I want to I want to show some love, and I don't know how much love this person is giving. So I'm going to th- show some love because it's first time for me. Renee Elise Goldsberry. Come on, come on, man! You must not even li- you must not listen to our episodes. No, I've no, been no, talking no. about Renee Elise Goose. Come on, man! Come on, stop, stop, stop! Don't, you are not going to Columbus, Renee Elise Goldsberry, <laughs> on this show. You are not going to Columbus, that sister. I'm about to go get a statue of Lynn Webb and throw it in the harbor. <laughs> now, wait a minute. Wait a minute, Vince. Now, mind you, we have given her props on this show before. No, no, no. I have given her props. Me. Wait a minute. I gave her props, too. Right, for um, Altered Carbon. For but Altered I'm Carbon. Saying, yeah, from, from, from the get down to Altered Carbon to don't. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Here, tell me about her, Lynn. Tell me about I, this I, exciting. I, 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 let me school you, Vince. Renee yes, Elise yes, Goldsberry. <laughs> oh, really? Tell me. Is she? Which one does she, she play, Lynn? She is the find of the century, ladies and is gentlemen. Is she now? She She's about Angelica. To... Oh, oh, she plays in. Is, is that, oh, don't tell me more, Lynn. Edu- educate me. <laughs> she plays Angelica in. Uh huh. Does she? <laughs> Look at you sailing the ocean blue. <laughs> Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Who are you going to tell me about next, Lynn? Now, you know who got talent. You ever heard of this woman named Anika Noni Rose? <laughs> now, Anika Noni Rose, that's somebody for you. Yes, I don't t- know if you heard Vince. I don't know if you heard Vince, but Renee Elise Goldsberry is in Hamilton. She is she Angelica. Now? Is she? <laughs> she is a. I mean, I loved her on Alter Carbon, and I heard like, oh, she was in mm. Hamilton. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yo, she is amazing, dog. Like, is she? <laughs> Every time, I swear to you, every single time she sang a note, I felt a fluster in my cheeks, man. She mm. is she is amazing. I haven't felt like that watching someone sing on stage um, 
Oh my god! Uh, it's since since like uh, I can't even think of when, man. She mm. it, it just left me, just just left me numb, man. She was incredible. She was incredible. You you know how much of a beast she is. She needs. This to get is how work. much. This is how much of a beast she is. So you know her big song is of course um is of course uh satisfied yes which is you know where she she's talking she's telling her part of of meeting alexander hamilton right and she sings it but then she also has she she raps yes kills the it. hamilton the ham the hamilton mixtape is kind of covers of the hamilton songs Mm-hmm. They had to get two different people to do her song. So Miguel sang her really? part and then Queen Latifah and then Queen Latifah rapped her part cuz they had to find two people to do her part. They needed two people to match the talent of one Renee Elise Goldsberry. Yes, yes. Yes, Lynn. She's quite and the one talent. of those Thank you for and, Thank one you of those for people telling me about is her. maybe one of those people is maybe the greatest female rapper of all time, and yet they they needed to get her just to approximate the rapping performance just. of one Renee Elise Goldsberry. Deborah Battle says that she's been a fan of Renee since she was on One Life to Live and Ally McBeal as a background uh, singer. Uh, and... Uh, uh, Viv says Goldsberry is an Alter Carbon season one or two. So y'all can check that out, ladies mm-hmm. and gentlemen. Get up on y'all, Renee, yeah. at oh, least yeah. Goldsberry. You know? Oh, yeah. And, oh, yeah. And tell, him, and tell him that Len sent you. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> she also played the Donna Summer type character in the Get Down. Oh, and she was in the Get Down, too. And yeah. she was in this great episode of Documentary Now, which is the um, documentary spoof series off of IFC. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh-huh. I- I'm I'm glad you brought it to our attention, Lynn. Glad you brought it to our attention. You ever see Jasmine Guy on this show called A Different World? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, absolutely. Thank you. I learned so much doing this show with you. I am an educator. So next. <laughs> So next, ladies and gentlemen, before we get into our, our, our main <laughs> review, uh, I told you last week about a film from 1959 that is streaming on Turner Classic Movies right now. Uh, it is yes. called, it is, it is a, a little film called Black Orpheus. Now, Black Orpheus is a romantic tragedy made in Brazil back in 1959 by French director Marcel Camus and starring Marpisa Dawn and Bruno Mello. Um, and it, it, it basically it's it, it set around the time of Carnival in Rio in 1959 mm-hmm. and more or less tells the the retells the legend of right. Orpheus and is it, mm-hmm. it is it Eurydice? I, I never knew how to pronounce the woman's name. Um, I think it's Eurydice. Eurydice, Eurydice, mm-hmm. and their and their yeah, tragic, 
their tragic love story, but it's set right. in Rio. And this is a film right. that is um, has been chronicled by the Criterion Collection. Um, mm-hmm. That's right. Beautiful uh, print. Heralded for being for, for its for its soundtrack, for its music. Uh, That's right. And as well as I think, because it in in many ways is a time capsule of Rio in 1959. Right. Um, right. And introduce wa- Western. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go, no, you know, no, no, because you're you're the you're the 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 scholar on this as you own the Criterion Collection copy of it. I, I was just going to say introduce Western audiences to ba- Bossa Nova. Mm-hmm. Bossa Nova music, yeah. Which is so, which but go is ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Throughout the film, I mean, it, it, yeah, they, they they advertise it as a musical. It's not so much a musical, but music plays a big part as it is yes. the very much the drive of this of this movie. Uh, so much so that it, it only dawned on me um, as we were nearing the end that there's no real there's no score to this film, right? That's Yet right. You you feel the music because it is it is always being played in the city streets everywhere you yeah. go in this film. Um and it, it's a, it's a movie that look it's it's a little long. I'm not going to lie. It's a, it's a, it's it's a little, sure. Sure. It's a, it and there are parts of it that make absolutely no sense whatsoever all of a sudden this spider-man figure shows up in the middle of this movie bouncing all around um but when you realize that this is an adaptation of a centuries old tale or or somebody might even say fable um and, and just lose yourself to the theme of that and exactly if you just lose yourself honestly to the very earnestness of most of the performers in this film, mm-hmm. many of them first time performers, um, especially some of the young children that are in this right, movie, right. Uh, and lose yourself to the cinematography, the music, the energy, the atmosphere, the scenery, the um, it's, it's a, an experience that I yeah. I think everyone should take in. Yeah, I agree. I think experience is is the best word for it. I think it is lush, mm-hmm. it is vibrant, it is otherworldly. It is a film that it is a film that I have loved for years. You know, as you said, and and I, you know, you talked about it being long. I almost don't even look at it as a film. You, you know, it's almost just just sort of it's is just just sort of almost a moving painting, even. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Be, because, like you said, the the, the plot doesn't make sense. You, you shouldn't even be paying attention to the plot. And I know we're kind of trained to watch movies to pay attention to yeah. the plot, but but you really do have to give yourself to it. Now, I think what is interesting or or what will be interesting by the end of the episode 
as we talk about Serafina is whether or not this is something that was created to exoticize, if you will, these other people. Like we always kind of talk about who is the audience for this. Like who is who is this actually made for? And I do think after doing this for so long, I am always very aware of this sort of white gaze. And is this okay. something that was made that is supposed to be this, you, you know, because I do think it is lush. I do think it is otherworldly. I, I do think it is sort of this this almost tone poem. But mm-hmm. I do also have to wonder, is that is that part of my Americanness? Like looking at these foreign brown people doing this foreign stuff and it's exotic mm-hmm. and they're speaking a funny language and and the music. But I, I having said that, I think you kind of have to acknowledge that. Yeah. But once you acknowledge it, you, you know, I do think that it, it is it is this breathtaking film. It really is. And, and I, you know, I try and watch Black Orpheus once every year or so. Just to kind of give myself to it. Yeah, I could I could dig that. Um, it's I will say I'll this is a, I'll leave it on this note. The last and I guess it may be two minutes of this movie. The last two minutes of this movie may be some of the most joyful moments I have ever watched on a film and or experienced watching a a movie. The last two minutes Mm -hmm. of this movie just felt, just made my heart sing. It made my heart sing. It was was just so joyful um, and so poetic. Uh, It was like, wow, you know, whatever misgivings I had about the movie, which were very slight, to be fair, um, mm-hmm. would just just flew all away right there at the end. Great movie. Give yourself to checking out the Black Orpheus. It's from 1959, ladies and gentlemen, but it is in color for those who are adverse yeah. to black and white. It is in color, sure. Um, and the print that the Criterion print that they are showing streaming on TCM is 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 beautiful. It's beautiful. That's that was going to be my question. I wanted to know what print were they showing. Because the the crisper the print, the greater the experience. Yeah. So that's great. Yeah, yeah and it's going to be on there yeah, to the 18th. Fantastic. That's a free plug for them. It's on the 18th yeah. of this month. So you got a few more days. Go check it out. All right? Okay. All right. Excellent. Excellent. All right, ladies Boy, and gentlemen. I tell gentlemen. you, Hamilton, what? Black Orpheus, you, you, you had quite the cultural weekend. <laughs> I did. I did. I, L- I did. La-di-da. Look at Lynn. I did have a cultural weekend. And the last thing that I discovered this weekend, Vince, I know okay. you have been one who has poo-pooed my choice of movie snacks. Pretzel bite. <laughs> are, 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 are you about to tell me like you discovered popcorn? Ah, I've discovered something better than popcorn. Okay, what is it? I have discovered what, and I'm putting it out here right now, <laughs> I will be sneaking into the movie theaters. Easy. Once, once, the, once the screens 
reopen. I, Len, the Bat Tribble, will return to the movie theaters and and taking with me <laughs> Snyder Rounds. Oh, my God. Snyder Rounds, ladies and gentlemen, which are mini pretzel balls dipped in butter. Oh, <laughs> my God. Vince? So, so funny story. I'm listening. When me and when me and Wendy first start dating, like one of our first dates, like I went over to her apartment and we were just sort of hanging out. And she said, "You know, do you want some snacks?" And she brought out a bowl of pretzels, mm-hmm. and they were the driest pretzels. Like they were the dry. <laughs> and I sat and I ate them dry ass pretzels. And that was like one of the first moments where I said, well, this might be going somewhere because there's no way I'd be sitting here eating these pretzels for no reason. <laughs> like, you know, like the big Amish pretzels. Mm hmm. I know. Uh huh. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. But if they were Snyder's you know, rounds, you- Vince, mini pretzel balls. And they were dipped, dipped in butter. butter. <laughs> that might that might have. Oh, my friend, <laughs> you might not have married Wendy, and you might have married yourself a bag. Because I might have run off with the pretzels. <laughs> <laughs> this is maybe my third bag this week, this weekend. <laughs> and right, there's, right. There's, there's easily a thousand mini balls in every bag, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Look. All right, that... That's enough free advertising. That that's enough of that. Between Turner Classic Movies and Snyder, you're just giving away money. Mmm, they're buttery delicious. <laughs> yes, yes. Thank you. Okay. Yeah, Mr. Snyder knows our cash app. If he wants some more, <laughs> um, if he wants some more information. And wash it down they with, can a run Nantucket, a- with a Nantucket necklace. <laughs> <laughs> see, see, right, exactly. Yeah, they can run an ad on here. <laughs> mm. Oh, my God. Somewhere, our podglomerate overlords are racing to cut out. I was right. Ex- ex- exactly. Exactly. You know what this is. Okay. <gasps> that Snyder's pretzels at a store near you. What are you doing? You know, I should put a Snyder's ad at the start of the show. That was right. Exactly. Exactly. They know they know how to get in touch with the with our people. Okay. All right. All right, let's get into our review. Look at you all parched. Look at you all parched. You, know, dry you, won't, let drink, you won't let me drink my drink on camera. <laughs> hey, hey, Lynn, look. Look, I'm drinking my water, but you'll notice the label is turned around. 
Actually, my problem is that my 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 drink is actually across the across the, the room. I forgot it. Well, that's a good point. You're so busy grabbing after pretzels. Running to tell me about Angelica. <laughs> She's Miss Goldsberry to you. Anyway. Y- yes. Um, yes. <laughs> let's get into our review of 1992's Serafina. We'll be right back with our movie review after we step to these messages. Serafina, a 1992 musical drama film based on Mbongini, Mbongini's Nagima's 1987 musical of the same name. The film is about the lead character, Serafina, a young black South African struggling for freedom during apartheid. While she has remained relatively silent in her opposition of the racist government in her country, The movement to make the language of Afrikaans the official language in her school leads her to protest in the streets with her fellow students. Her anti-government views become even more intense when her favorite teacher is arrested for protesting. Serafina from 1992 stars John Kanai, Mbajeni Nagima, Miriam Makiba, Whoopi Goldberg, and introducing in her first film role, Lelikate Kumalo as the lead character, Serafina. This was the choice of Lynn Webb. Lynn, what do you have to say about Serafina? Oh, I got a lot to say about Serafina. Um, This was a 1992 stage production that I remember hearing a great deal about at the time. Well, the the film is from 1990. 1992. I think the stage production is actually from a few years earlier. Um, and But I remember hearing a, a great deal about this stage production, this story of um, <clears throat> uh, 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 about these children in South Africa and, you know, being forced to, I think, learn Afrikaan or, uh, as a language um, in their schools. Um, I, 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 I may be misconstruing the story a, a little bit um it all, 
at the end of the day, they're being forced to do what they don't want to do. They're being forced to learn what they don't do not want to learn. Learn pretty much a bastardized version of African history of their of their country's history. Um, and I remember people being being swept up by this stage performance. Um, but I was probably at a young age where it wasn't it while I heard it, it wasn't really on my radar or something that, that I wasn't, you know, going to be attracted to, you know, it's like, Oh yeah, it sounds like it sounds dope. You're like, yeah, I'm proud of the people, whatever. Um, and I don't know why I, I do remember the film when it came out, but for whatever reason, it just never came upon, it hit my radar. Now I've learned why going back into research as to why it didn't hit my radar is because this movie came out around the same time as the uh, riots of, mm-hmm. of 1992. Um, it was released on September 18th. Uh, and it was, you know, it, 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 it just got lost in the sauce. You know what I mean? It, it got lost at around the same time as the LA riots in the wake of the Rodney King beating. And it's a movie that just got, it, it, it just got lost. There were more important things going on in the world for, especially for black people at that time. And, um, and that was the shame of the movie. Those that still did, did discover the movie fell in love with it again, fell in love with the music um, of the film, which is amazing. The music of this film is amazing. All sung in its original language, all melodic, all sweeping, all very orchestral and um, uplifting. And the voices are heavenly in uh in this movie like you can you cannot get caught up in the singing of the songs from Serafina right you just you just can't and I can see why this would be such a moving sweeping experience on the stage but what we are here to review is the film the adaptation of this music of this stage drama. And I think it's very interesting that we're doing this in not only in the wake of having just watched Hamilton, which is the film of a stage production, but we are not too far removed from reviewing dream girls, which is another film adaptation of a stage musical. Right. Um, And what Dream Girls attempted to do was to take that story and to take what happens on that stage and build it out in front of you on screen. And while taking advantage of everything that being in a filmed environment um, lends by way of doing close-ups and uh, changing the scenery quick, uh, quicker and lighting and and and. It, uh, focusing your eye where we want it to be, as opposed to in a stage production where you're, you know, you're just watching it widescreen and have to, you know, you're affixed to where you want. Um, and Dreamgirls does that. What Serafina, this this film adaptation tries to do is to take 
this very serious subject that is being presented by these very earnest children, many of them first time performers as well, just like we saw in Black Orpheus. Many of these children are first time performers, very earnest, very heartfelt, very sincere in their line readings, comes off very naturalistic. They come off so naturalistically. The film, uh, instead of trying to build up any sets or anything like that, they go actually and film it in Johannesburg. So it's now mm-hmm. it's filmed in location. So now we're taking you to, you know, as close to the belly of the beast as we can take you for, for this film. And then they take that to me, they take that realism a step too far because when it comes to depicting what these children are standing up against, the oppression that they are facing, the violence that is being put, put upon these, these children and these people, when it comes to presenting that in this film, there are absolutely no holds barred in this movie. Mm-hmm. And while I can I can understand the desire to want to present that violence as it really is, you know, try to give you a true sense of what these these people are are have been engaged uh, with what they are, what they're fighting against. When it's done on a stage, you have to be a little bit more, a, a little bit more uh, uh, choreographed about your violence. You have to be a little bit more um, creative in how you are depicting a young child get shot in the streets on the stage. Because one, you can't do it. You can't just shoot somebody on the on the stage and more often than not on stage, especially in a musical, it's not like you're going to be using squibs or anything like that. You're going to, you, you're going to come off with some type of effect to get over the violence without being as graphic in the violence. And I think the film Sarafina at times leans in so much on the realism of the violence even when that is put up against the the uh, tenderness of these music, of these children singing, I think it it fights a battle tonally that really just feels it just it it just feels off. It just mm-hmm. it, it just really just like took me out of the film a little bit um it was just a little it it was the violence should be a gut punch it should be and it is but for it to be there in this musical with this uplifting music i don't think i think you can do that i think you can that gut punch can be presented it doesn't have to be presented so so realistically, I mean, there were times it would, dude. It was almost like a choir singing on top of like just some some documentary footage 
of children right. being shot, shot in the back in the streets and and shoved into into vans and and electrocuted and I mean I it was just really really hard man it was just it it, it was I just found it very off-putting and as much as I want to enjoy that this film as much as I want to celebrate Whoopi Goldberg lending her star status to right, get this right. film made because the only reason right. this is made is because she made a deal with Walt Disney I'll give you Sister Act 2 get right. me into this m- movie so we can make this happen because this has right. to happen so and I yeah. want to celebrate her for, for doing that I want to celebrate her for taking what is essentially you know a cameo role in this film she's in the film right. maybe 15 minutes whole and yeah. she's gone maybe. before maybe. before we're, you're like three quarters way exactly yeah um but her but her her impact on the film lasts throughout the movie don't get me wrong she yeah. her role, she has a very vital role i want to celebrate the 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 find that is uh Laletti Kumalo uh, in the lead mm-hmm. role of Serafina because she it, you cannot take your eyes off of her. She is mesmerizing yeah. in this movie. Um, you feel her pain. You feel her joy. You feel her suffering. You feel her ambig- uh, um, ambiguousness uh, towards her mother who is being who to do what she has to do for her kids lives away from her kids as a a well, a, yeah, a, yeah. A, 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 a a servant you know, raising some 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 African heirs kid a, a, a ways away, you know, um, and and sending whatever dough she can back for for her children. Uh, you you, I mean, Laletti Kamalo is just you. Like I said, you can't take your eyes off of her in in this movie. Um, and I want to I want to celebrate that man, but there were times when that 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 violence just just took me out of it man it just really really made it hard for me to enjoy the movie you know especially because i don't even necessarily think that the film ends on that uplifting a note and and i think you're kind of like especially coming through the violence that you do i think you're looking for something something to kind of like just raise your spirits a little bit. And, and I just didn't, maybe it was just my spirits had sunk so low that they just couldn't right. raise up to the level that they wanted me to by the end of the film. Um, right. I, it, it, it just left me cold, man. I just, I, I did not have a good time watching this movie. I, I, I think, I, I think I come at it. I agree. Like I 100% agree with you about the tone. I, I come at it maybe from the opposite direction where in my mind, the violence doesn't take away from the musical numbers. The music in my mind takes away from the rest of the movie. Mm. Like I actually didn't need any of the music. And this, this is, this is in my mind, a quintessential, big studio black movie from the early 90s like like this this is very much in the realm of driving miss daisy uh clara's heart you, you know these kind of films that 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 are interested in depicting blackness and and perhaps even depicting a level 
of of struggle, but doing it in a way that allows their white middle class American audience to leave with clean hands. Okay. To leave without okay. thinking about themselves. I, I think I think this this depiction of of basically these are the you know the nineteen seventy six Soweto children's uprisings is is done in such a way that if you are an American, if you went and saw this, and, and I didn't see the play, I don't know how much different I know this is different than the play, but but just this general storyline, you know, this very much seemed to me like something that people walked away going to get the soundtrack mm-hmm. without thinking about the movie itself. Uh, much like you, I think Laletti Kamalo is is the brightest star on this screen. And like you said, you can't take your eyes off of her. Um, Whoopi Goldberg, I, I, you can like you can tell I actually didn't know about that deal until you said it. But I knew immediately that Whoopi Goldberg was doing somebody a solid. Right. Like, like Whoopi Goldberg is is almost separate from this film like like she she has these couple of scenes as a teachers but you can tell that she's not really integrated into the storyline I, I think the this story of of these kids getting shot and and these almost for the most part cartoonishly evil south african soldiers yeah, yeah, just just kind of simplifies it in a way that again, if if I went to the mall and I went to the theater at the at the mall in in you know any suburb America, nineteen ninety two, I can leave and go. Oh well, that's just awful. Well, that's yeah. just awful the way they treat yeah. those people. And what was fascinating to me about this film structurally, and when we talk about this tone, you can tell that there's a push and pull. Between, I suspect, the producers, you know, including Harvey Weinstein and the writers where they're trying to figure out, you know, basically what what we're talking about. Like, like, is this a film about what's really what really happened or is this a film where we are, you know, know, to circle back to our conversation with Black Orpheus, where we're just going to kind of exoticize these black people in South Africa, where, you know, we've got the music. I didn't get a chance to look it up. Like, I don't know if if Paul Simon has trotted out Lady Smith Black Mombazo yet in 1992. But like it was that period where it was, you know, like if you worked at a record store, they had a section called world music where they just lumped all the brown people. Yeah. 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 And, and like there was a type of person that liked world music and they mm-hmm. would go and they'd get lady Smith, black Mombazo or, you know, and then, you know, it's African road songs. I mean, uh, railroad songs and, and they do the little stuff and I like the music, but then you have this very serious story happening. And, it does. I think it collapses under this tension so that by the end, you don't know what really to do with it. And and yeah. it's a shame because this is a good cast. 
this is a good cast. Oh, yeah. Like we talked about Laletti Kamalo, but uh, John Kenny as the principal of uh, the other students. Um, I just named him, and, and I'm going to open this up to to read his name. To actually read uh, his name, Imbajini Nagima, who who actually is the the playwright, right? Who plays the the black constable Sabella? Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of the most fascinating people on the screen. Um, in my mind, the movie that I wanted to see, you you know, I say this all the time when I write these things down. When she does go to to visit her mother mm-hmm. in this nicer part of South Africa, and you get a hint of the complicated life that her mother has to live. And it's this great line where, where Serafina talks about, you know, her dad died in Mozambique, and apparently he died as a revolutionary. And she says, you know, he died in glory. And her mother says, my children can't eat glory. Yeah. And it's yeah. this wonderful line, and I wrote my notes, this is the movie right here. Like, this is the movie I want to see. Like, but the problem with the movie like that is that now that implicates a middle-class audience watching this. It's like, because you might have somebody who works for you. You might, oh, you, you know, okay. like, 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 what is the cost of where you live? All the things that we talk about now in 2020, in 1992, you could tell this film was trying to avoid that kind of thought process. So ultimately what I left with is I wrote, this is a film that leaves the American audience with clean hands. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. You said that that's the movie that you wanted to see. Cause I do remember having, when that scene happens, um, and Serafina is, is telling her mother about, you know, how she it, she now realizes that she is a hero and they won't be singing songs for her. You know, like the whole movie, the whole movie, Serafina, and we got to remember that it's taking place, that the story of it is taking place in the 70s. She is she is basically in her in her monologue that you're hearing kind of like in voiceover throughout the film. She's talking to Nelson Mandela who is at this time, you know, in prison. Um, right. And she, and, and, you know, she's talking to him almost like Christians talk to Jesus. Oh, when you come home, you know, everything's going to be okay. You know, we want to be, uh, you know, and take care of your people and everything like that. And how she's, that's how she's speaking and relating her life to Nelson Mandela, who you have to imagine may be a person that she never even has, if any true memories of as long as he had been in prison at that, at that point. Right. Exactly. But then she comes to realize that, her mother's sacrifice is, is really the heroism that is on display right before her eyes. And as her mother, right. as a hero who won't have songs sung, you know, her mo- she doesn't have She's not having an inner monologue to a picture of her mother on her wall. And it's all hitting right. uh, home for her. And I, and I remember that being a very powerful moment. And one of the things that I read is that, it makes sense that that's very powerful. There actually was a um, more to that scene. I believe there was actually a song from that scene that is not in the movie. Um, 
probably right. one for time. And also, too, for like you you mentioned, Vince, uh, I probably would all of a sudden leave people with a bad taste in their mouth of the implications right. uh, behind those words. Um, so, yeah, that was a real powerful moment. Dominique Dominique wrote us saying that she was probably 13 when she saw the film. It kind of hit her hard because of her age, had to wrap her mind around what was happening. I think today, I think they tried to use the music to soften the the violence. It could have had a better balance, pretty much uh, echoing. Yeah. Yeah. But, and you know, even that part, like, like even, even the end where, where, where there is this huge thing with the gun and 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 Whoopi Goldberg's character says we don't want the violence and and they throw the gun away and it is it in my mind it almost like I didn't like the way by the end the film pitted her mother against revolutionaries mm. be, okay. because be, because again this look man you got look. Nobody gets stuff without breaking things. I don't know why I got all dark in here. I guess the the light went out. Like I just noticed. Yeah, I, 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 I just noticed. <laughs> I just just like I just looked at myself and I'm like, why is it so dark in here? And it's like I guess the sun's going down. Um, I hope that's. But it. again, <laughs> <laughs> but again, for an audience, this is a surprise, ladies and gentlemen. Vince is coming to us live from the attic where Anne Frank was. <laughs> I think um, the audience is uncomfortable with this depiction of violence and with anything that would any 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 aspect of the film that looks like it was justifying the violence. I I think in my mind one of the more interesting complications was the fact that Serafina was involved in the murder of the constable. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Like she didn't like she you know she didn't hear about it. This wasn't some other character. This was her. But in my mind that kind of deepened and enriched her characterization. But but you know as you said by the end of the film they kind of pull up and say, "Oh, you you know, love and peace and now here's a dance mm-hmm. number." Yeah. Yeah. Trying um, to turn the light on or something. Yeah, yeah you got to do something, Vince. I mean, what's happening, man? All of a sudden I'm- Doing the show. Yeah, I don't know what happened. Hold on. Well, not hold on. I guess you can't say hold on. I said we'll, hold on. We'll wait for you, bro, because we're losing you. Keep, it, keep talking, Lynn. Keep I, talking. I, keep talking. Like, imagine, hey, Lynn, imagine it's me and you taping and we don't have a camera on us, and one of us does this. Yes. And yeah. then the other one jumps up. Literally sitting here doing a, a show with Vince's beard all of a sudden. It's just, in the dark. So what does he do? He turns on the light all the way behind him. That'll actually do nothing for him. Um, I, got, I got to teach this guy YouTube 101. You got to get a light in front of you. Hey man, I'm not in. I'm not where I usually tape. I'm. I'm doing. I'm at. It's an away game. You need to be happy that it's as good as it is. <laughs> We're an hour plus in, and nothing has fallen over. <laughs> okay, bro. All right. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Robert. So, yeah. Robert you were Monroe. supposed to keep talking. I was talking. <laughs> uh, Robert Monroe says darkness is spreading. <laughs> yes. Hopefully. But, yeah, this, this is just really a relic of the 90s to me. 
is, is, is just really a relic of the 90s. Yeah. Yeah, because I wanted to be able to come here and say, oh, man, this is like a slept on gem. People should, you know, if you haven't discovered Serafina, you need to go back and rewatch this film. Um, and I and on all good consciousness, I can't. I, I, I will celebrate the soundtrack. I'll, I'll celebrate the stage musical, the stage, um, the cast recording. Go grab that. Listen to that ad infinitum and and have yourself a glory, glorious time. Um but I don't believe you need to run back to to this film. I'm sorry. You know what? In full disclosure, like I want to love the movie. Like I mentioned, Lady Smith, Black Mombazo, and, and I have to say that, like Pier One and a Thousand Villages, and all those kind of stores, and like the suburbs, have almost ruined this music for me. Okay. Because it's kind of happy and 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 you know it's it's like I always say like I didn't listen to Fela Kuti for years because I thought it was going to sound like this and then you know Fela no. coming with them horns and them drums and it's like oh all right this this is a little different mm-hmm. they're not going to be playing this at Pier One but um you know there's a very talented cast uh the music is very well done. Mm-hmm. You know, if this is your thing, this is your thing. But uh, much like you, I, I think the film is is one you can skip. I do. And honestly, I think if you're going like. And we talked about it before we turned on the microphones. As much as I wanted to champion this film and I can't. Um, there's a film that that's come out within the last few years that probably has the similar sheen to it as far as um what is a story that is trying to make palatable to uh for white people in america but for whatever reason i just feel that its heart is in its right place and it's better done and more respectful Mm -hmm. to the environments in which the story is set and that's the queen of cotway Um, yeah yeah absolutely Absolutely. I would just as soon as people go out and check out that film uh, and, again, be wrapped up in some mesmerizing performances um, with some very young children, um, bolstered by um, Lapita Nwango and David Oyelio. Um, Just a fabulous, fabulous uh, film. Don't let the Walt Disney picture icon in the beginning uh, fool you they had to do what they had to do to get this film made but right it it, it is a it is a movie worth championing and a movie worth seeing and i'm i'm curious now that i'm i'm, I'm bringing this up i'm wondering if it's on disney plus and if it's not it, disney y'all need to listen y'all dropped hamilton on this this will be a night that will be a great double play with hamilton i am pretty sure it is it is? Okay, great. Yeah, I'm like great. 70, 80 percent sure that it is. I feel like when we were going through, I, I saw it and I made note of it. So I agree. Yeah, check that out. Check that out. That's my recommendation. I can't recommend right. Serafina. I can recommend Queen of Katway. Go check that out. I agree. I agree. All right. All right, ladies and gentlemen. All right. All right, before we tell you what we're going to watch next week here on the Me Show Mission, I invite you to send all of your feedback. Email us at the Me Show Mission at Me Show Mission at gmail.com. Me Show spell M I C H E A U X M I S S I O N. Me Show Mission at gmail.com. 
Like and follow us on all the social medias. That means Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. It don't it don't even matter. It's all Me Show Mission. Join the Me Show Mission Facebook group. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Subscribe to the Me Show Mission podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, whether it be on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, Google Play. It doesn't matter. Wherever you find podcasts, you'll find the Me Show Mission. Subscribe. Listen, enjoy, give us a five-star rating, and if if you're so inclined, a review, because wherever you put it, that helps people find our show, all right? And the Michelle Mission is also a proud member of the Podglomerate Podcast Network, the Podglomerate Curated Podcast for your listening pleasure. Go to thepodglomerate.com for all the deets. The Michelle Mission is also available in an edited form. As a radio show here in the city of brotherly love every Saturday at 1 p.m. on WPPM 106.5 FM Philly Cam People Power Media here in the city of Philadelphia. And you can check us out every Monday morning at 9 a.m. Wake up with the Michelle Mission on 91.7 FM WKDU, the voice of Drexel University. Okie dokie. Smoky Vince, next week, yes, it's sir. Your turn, it's your turn to select. It the is film my turn. We will be watching. What are we going to be watching? Yes, well, Lynn, as you and I have talked about, God willing and the crick don't rise, we will try to join one another for the first time in months. Oh man, I got in the same pants. physical space. Yeah, yeah, yes, yes, you do. And and all jokes aside, I'm I'm excited about that. Like I'm excited about the fact that that we'll get to tape in the same room together. And I think it is a bit of a celebration. Okay. And I am one that likes to celebrate. Like I like to go ahead and and you know take down a nice bottle if we are going to celebrate. And in this case, the nice bottle is one of one of our top shelf films. And there's a film that we have talked about for years that we haven't done because, you know, it's like the night, it's the top shelf film. And and the, the filmmaker made a, a film that is a Michelle Mission favorite, so much so that we have talked about it not only on an episode, but you and I did a talk back in Bryn Mawr. Over you, over you, and that would, of course, be Charles, Charles Burnett's uh, to sleep with anger, yes. But Charles Burnett's first film is a classic film. It is a film that is well regarded. It is frankly a hole in our collection. So next week, in honor of of us being in the same place at the same time, and in honor of of that celebration, we're going to do 1977's A Killer of Sheep. Okay. <laughs> We're going to do a killer of sheep. I mean, killer of sheep, not a killer of sheep. Killer of sheep. Okay. All right. Cool. I like it. I like it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. So you got to put pants and a shirt on. <laughs> we'll see. We're going to do some film criticism. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, there you go. Uh, Until next week, he's Vince, I'm Len, and in parting, we say, 
We'll see you when it's time to meet again. time to bid adieu. It's been a pleasure knowing you. I'll see you when it's time to meet again.